as Glendon said, if you'd like to follow along, First uh, Samuel chapter 7, and we're starting at verse 3. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the, land, from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below beth -car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron to Gath, and Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there, and there also he judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. Thanks, Caleb. Uh, obviously, when we set up the camera this morning, we uh, forgot that a much taller man than uh, Philip or I would be reading the Bible, so uh, apologize for those at home who uh, had the top of Caleb's head chopped off uh, for a little while. Um, really want to encourage you to keep your Bible open here at 1 Samuel chapter 7, as I said before. Uh, you should be aware by now that we are making our way through this book as we consider uh, the life and ministry of Samuel and uh, all that God was teaching Israel and is teaching us uh, through him and through this time. Uh, if you got the email this week, then you should have received um, some sermon outline options, uh, a longer one uh, and a shorter one or one with some activities, so uh, you might want to follow along with them. Now, I think it's probably pretty fair to say that as we come towards the end of the year and another rather difficult year, uh, many of us are looking forward to a time of rest. Um, we know those, those, those days around Christmas and New Year's um, where we just kind of get to unwind a little bit. Uh, maybe we get to spend time with family and friends. Uh, maybe we get to have some time off work or get to go away on a holiday. Or maybe it's just the, the, the slower pace of life for a couple of weeks. 
I think quite a number of us are really hanging out for that at the moment, and I know I certainly am. We, we need that, don't we? Uh, we need those times of rest. And it's, it's not a sign of weakness. It's not unspiritual to admit that. It's actually part of us being created in the image of God. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2 set that pattern, didn't it? Uh, God worked and rested, and he created us in his image to both work and to rest like he did. Now, every now and then in the Old Testament, uh, we get a picture of Israel in a time of rest. It, it's not very often. <laughs> uh, quite usually there is something going wrong, and so far as we've seen uh, in the book of 1 Samuel. But from time to time, we get this wonderful picture of Israel enjoying a, a time of rest, uh, a time where they are experiencing the blessings of God. The times when the, the blessings of God promised to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that they would be their own nation uh, in their own land, uh, experiencing peace, the favor of God, and being a blessing, we get glimpses of that. And at the end of chapter 7 here, we actually have one of those rare pictures. And if the Old Testament is a, is a, is a time of ups and downs, um, this is one of those rare occasions uh, where things actually seem to be working out well for Israel. They've got rest from their enemies. Uh, they've got rest from both the Philistines uh, and the Amorites. They, they get some of their land back that the Philistines have taken. They have stability under Samuel as their ruler. Uh, stability that, that doesn't come along very often. Now, it is not going to last. <laughs> uh, we've got to admit that. Uh, when we go into chapter 8, uh, Lord willing, next week, uh, things are going to go awry once again. But for this brief moment, <laughs> there is this rest, the enjoyment of the blessings of God. And as we unpack this chapter this morning, what I, what I want to do is unpack how they got there, or, or more accurately, how God brings them into this time of rest. How they've gone from being a nation of bad leadership, uh, of rebellion, of, of threats from their enemies, to being a nation enjoying this time of rest, because this is really important. Because this chapter is painting a picture of the work that God is ultimately doing in his world. The peace that he is bringing to his world and to his church, ultimately through the Lord Jesus. So let's dive in. And we're going to pick the story up here at chapter 7, verse 3. And the first part of this, this, this process that God brings them uh, into this peace is that he gives them his word. Have a look at how verse 3 starts. It says, And Samuel said to all the house of Israel. Now, this actually seems a little bit weird, doesn't it? It, it almost appears out of nowhere. And Samuel said. But we've got to remember, this is actually picking up the story from chapter 4, verse 1. Now, I want you to flick back with me just for a moment there. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been focused on the ark, 
its capture, its time with the Philistines, and its eventual return to Israel. But chapter 7, verse 3 is actually picking up the story from chapter 4, verse 1. Remember in chapter 3, Samuel had been established as a prophet. The word of God is coming to him, and through him, it's coming to Israel. And chapter 4, verse 1 says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. And then jump to chapter 7, verse 3. And Samuel said to the house of Israel. So actually we're picking up on his message here, the message of God to Israel. And it's actually a message of repentance. If you are returning to the Lord your God with all your heart, then put away your far, the foreign gods and the Asherototh uh, from you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him only. And verse 4 gives us the result of that. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. You see, what we have here is this incredible picture of the word of the Lord coming to his people, and that word working within their hearts and turning them, changing Israel, bringing about repentance. Did you notice that? Did you notice that change of direction? This is what Karis was talking about in that kid's talk, that, that change of direction that that word brings. God tells them, you've got to turn away from your idols. And so they, they, they are putting these things away. And as part of the, the ceremony that they have, they confess their sinfulness to God. They, they are turning from sin and evil and idols, and they are turned towards God. Serve him only, um, uh, Samuel says to them. They are putting their trust, uh, their hope, their reliance off the gods and onto the Lord God who has rescued them. And did you notice that it's both heart and actions? Uh, turn your, direct your hearts to God, uh, put him away uh, and serve him only. What we have here uh, is this wonderful picture of God's word working powerfully and effectively in the lives of his people. See, we start with that question. How is God going to bring his people into a time of rest, into a time of enjoying his blessings? Well, this is where it starts, doesn't it? God speaks through his word. And that word works powerfully in people's hearts. And it turns people around to repentance and faith in him. Turns people from trusting what is false to trusting the living God. Now, one of the things that I occasionally do, and I say occasionally, is occasionally I indulge myself in some of those uh, life hack videos. You, you know the ones that pop up, you know, 101 ways to make your life easier. It's like, you know, how to cook a chicken with really crispy skin. Uh, you know, how to change a tire without getting your hands dirty. Um, you know, how to peel a potato in three and a half seconds. Uh, you, know, you know the ones that, that you watch. Really helpful stuff, isn't it? Uh, now, I, I reckon that sometimes we go looking for a life hack to experience the blessings of God. You ever done that? Like we, we think about what's a shortcut 
where I can enjoy the peace of God, the, the blessings of God, relationship with God without a lot of hard work. But what we so often don't want to admit is that there is no fast track to spiritual growth. There's no shortcuts to experiencing the blessings of God. There is no quick fixed fix when it comes to being changed. It comes through his word, sitting under it, soaking in it, reading it, speaking it to one another, listening to it and responding. And so often that doesn't come quickly. You know, we, we, we want to look for that one sermon that is going to really, really change our lives. I, I, I sometimes want to preach that one sermon that is really, really going to change lots and lots of lives. Or we, we want to find that one podcast which is, which is going to give us this massive spiritual uplift. But there are no blessing hacks that will fast track us into blessing from God. It comes as we soak ourselves in his word and allow his spirit to work within our hearts. And so often that is a slow, ongoing process, bit by bit. And it's not just listening to it either, is it? It's listening and responding. And that response is a response of repentance. Now that word repentance is a word that we often throw around quite liberally, quite easily uh, in Christian circles. And sometimes when we think about repentance, we confuse it with confession. So confession is admitting to God that we have sinned against him. We've, we've done the wrong thing. Now, confession is a part of repentance, but it's, it's not the whole picture. Repentance is turning from and turning to. It's turning away from our sin and turning to Christ. It's a change of direction for our hearts and a change of direction for our lives. Now, of course, that's what, that's what happens when we come to know the Lord Jesus, isn't it? That, that's, we repent and we believe. That's that wonderful moment in our lives where we turn from sin and we turn from darkness and we turn to Christ and we cling to him. But it's what we keep doing as his people. In fact, it, it's actually the only response from us that the Bible ever calls for. To repent and believe. To turn from sin and to to Christ. Now that is, that is hard work. That, that is often slow, painful work. To be confronted by the sin in our life and the idols of our heart and to trust God rather than ourselves. That is an ongoing work, a battle that we face day by day. But it's worth it. And it's worth it because it is how God enables us to enjoy his peace, to enjoy his blessing. All right, let's move on because we want to look at the second part of this. Because not only does God speak his powerful word, changing the hearts of his people, but God establishes his man. 
He establishes his representative here on earth. Now, I want to have a look at a really small statement that occurs in verse 6. We want to flick it down there. It happens in the middle of the ceremony that, that Israel is going through as they confess their sin, as they pour out water, as they sacrifice a lamb, and as the Philistines are about to attack, which we'll, we'll go to in a minute. And in the middle of it, it says, And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. That's kind of a, a weird phrase, isn't it? Maybe we think, well, maybe Samuel acted like a court judge there. Uh, he decided between who was right and who was wrong. And, th and that's a little part of it. But I know that word judge, if you notice it, it actually came up again at the end of the chapter to describe Samuel's ongoing ministry. It occurs three times in the last three verses. It describes Samuel's ongoing work amongst Israel for many years. And it's the same word that keeps coming up in the book of Judges to talk about the deliverers that God rose up from Israel to rescue his people. These were, these judges, and Samuel is the last of them, they were God's rescuers or God's deliverers raised up by him. And in a sense, they are the forerunners to the kings in Israel. Now, bear with me for a moment. I want to note something. And this is the nerd out moment for today, okay? So, so pay attention. The Old Testament has three groups of people who were set apart by God for special services or ministries. Three groups of people that were often set apart by anointing. They were prophets who spoke God's word to the people. They were priests who led the people towards God. And they were kings who led God's people on God's behalf. Prophets, priests, and kings. Now let's notice something about Samuel so far. He's been established as a prophet. He's been raised as a priest and he's performing sacrifices. And now he acts as a judge, the forerunner to the kings. Samuel is prophet, priest, and king. Now why is this important? Because in the New Testament... These three roles are rolled into one. They are rolled into one person who will be prophet, priest, and king forever. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He speaks God's word, he leads people to God, and he leads on God's behalf. You see, Samuel is what we call a type of Christ. So we have the, in the Old Testament these figures who, who make the way for Jesus by showing what he is going to be like. And Samuel, as prophet, priest, and judge, or king, is probably the most complete type of Christ that we actually have in the Old Testament. He's pretty unique in many ways. And he is setting up a pattern for what God's ultimate prophet, priest, and king will be like. How is it that God is going to bring his people and his world into rest, into the enjoyment of his blessings? Well, he's going to speak his word, 
and he's going to establish his man as prophet, priest, and king. Now, no doubt, we, we live in a world uh, and a time that is obsessed with peace of all different types. Lasting peace, world peace, inner peace, peaceful homes, peaceful workplaces, peaceful societies, peaceful communities. We are longing and desiring peace in our world and peace in our lives. And that's a longing and a desire that's been put there by God because he wants us, he's created us in his image for exactly this. So often we miss that it is God himself who brings it. And he's bringing it through his son. He's bringing it through the man of his own choosing, the Lord Jesus. And that brings us really to the third part of what we want to see here today. This is the work that God is doing through Christ because he is the one that brings victory, ultimate victory over the enemies of God. Ultimate victory over the things that would take us away from peace and would take us away from enjoyment of the blessings of God. Now let's look at how God does that here. While Israel is in the midst of this ceremony uh, where they are pouring out water, they are fasting, uh, they are praying, um, the Philistines hear that they have gathered together at Mizpah. Now I've got to, I've got to say, um, the Philistines have one of the best spy networks that I think I've ever heard of. You know, it puts the CIA to shame. It doesn't seem no matter what Israel is doing, the Philistines know about it and they know about it quickly. Now the Philistines, not sure why, that possibly they think that this gathering at Mizpah is a threat against them or they think, well, they're all gathered together, we may as well attack them. Um, they take the opportunity to come up against Israel. And this causes Israel to be very much afraid and in their fear to ask Samuel to cry out to God on their behalf. Now it's interesting their response this time, isn't it? We think back to chapter 3, there were two battles that happened there. Uh, Philistines came up, Israel went out and were defeated. Uh, Israel, Philistines came again, Israel took the ark and were defeated again. No consultation with God whatsoever. This time, they cry out to God. Now, it's interesting that while the Philistines are amassing and they are crying out to God, um, Samuel actually continues on with the ceremony. Uh, you notice that he, he carries on with the sacrifice, which is a, is a lamb, which is offered as a whole burnt offering uh, in verse 9. He cries out and the Lord answers him. Now, that answer isn't a spoken word. It's not directions on how Israel is to fight. It's actually a divine victory that God brings. There's a loud sound, there's confusion in the Philistine camp, uh, and God himself uh, brings the defeat against the Philistines. He's doing it in their place, and he's doing it on their behalf. And did you notice uh, what was happening as he brought that victory? Uh, a lamb was being sacrificed. Now this is in some ways a throwback. It, it's, a, it's a reminder to Israel 
of the way that God rescued them out of Egypt, where a lamb, a Passover lamb, was slaughtered, and God, by his great power, brought Israel out of the land of Egypt. It's a throwback, but it's also a look forward, isn't it? It's a look forward to the day when another lamb would be sacrificed and God would be winning a victory of peace for his people. When the Lord Jesus himself, the prophet, priest, and king, would lay down his life, bearing the sins of his people, defeating the forces of evil and undoing the curse of sin. And friends, he did this so that you and I could enjoy the blessing of peace from God and with God. Now, at the end of this battle, Samuel um, sets up a marker stone. It's there in verse 12. Um, And this marker stone is given the name Ebenezer. Um, And all week as I've been working on this, I've been singing in my head that old hymn. Uh, You know, you probably might know the one. Here I raise my Ebenezer. You know, and if we've sung it before and you've not known what it meant, you're in, you know, pretty good company, probably. But this is where it comes from. It's talking about a reminder of the way that God has helped. And so for Israel, for years to come, would see this this stone. We don't know how big it was, but pass by the stone and they would remember, God rescued us. God spoke through his word and we confess, we repented. God had Samuel lead us and he delivered us incredibly from the Philistines. Now you and I, uh, we don't have a stone of remembrance. But we do have the cross. And we do have an empty grave with a stone that was rolled away. And through it, God reminds us over and over again that he is the one who rescues. He's the one that blesses. He's the one that brings his peace. Now, as much as I'm looking forward to some summer holidays, uh, a couple of weeks off, uh, a chance to enjoy a little rest and a little peace, um, I know the reality within getting back, within a couple of weeks, Um, I'll be feeling like another holiday. Um, The lawns will have need mowing, kids will need dropping off, church life will be ramped up and things will be busy again. As good as those times of refreshing are, they don't last. And they don't last because we are longing for something much deeper, much more significant, and that only Christ can bring. Things are going to go bad again for Israel. Next week, chapter 8, this won't last. But we have been given a peace and a blessing that does. It's better than a holiday. And it's better than a movie night. It's better than a walk along the beach, which are all good things. We have the lasting peace that comes from knowing Christ. And being found in him. And one day the Lord Jesus is going to come back. 
And that, my friends, is what we will enjoy for all eternity. His blessing and his peace. It's been a tough year. It's been a tough couple of years. And maybe for more than one reason. Church, hang in there. Jesus is coming back. And he will bring this. And he will bring it for all eternity to us. Soak yourself in his word. Have it wash over and refresh you day by day. Have it work deep in your hearts to turn you back to him. Enjoy the peace with God that it assures us of. Put your trust in the king. Look to him and wait for his returning. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, we, we thank you that peace in our world and peace in our church and peace in our lives, um, Lord, we thank you that that is not ultimately dependent on us. Uh, thank you that you are the one who is bringing it into your world and to us. Thank you, Lord, for the tremendous victory that you have won through the cross defeating sin and death and securing our eternal life with you. And thank you for the sure knowledge and comfort that you are returning and you will take us to be with yourself forever. Lord God, we pray that today and ongoing, our hope and our trust is in you, not in what we can do, Lord, but in what has been done for us in Christ. Lord, enable us to, to live in your word, to soak in it, that it might draw our hearts and draw our minds to you over and over again. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.